When you're in the shower, do you ever forget, like while you're putting on conditioner, do you ever think, wait, did I just put on shampoo before this? Or did I just start with conditioner? That happens to me like, I don't know, once a month. Like it just happened. I felt like I'd been in there for a while, so I was, <laughs> I was putting on conditioner and then I'm like, wait, did I not shampoo first? And I was like, should I wash this shit out and then shampoo? But... I don't know. Didn't seem like that big of a deal. Did that ever happen to you? I think I've been hitting the head too much or knocked out too many times. I don't know. How many times is too much? Three? I don't know. Anyway, that happened. Welcome to Porb. Uh, sorry I wasn't around last week. I've been um, recording music again amazingly for me I uh that's something I normally do I've been a guitar player for 25 years is that right is that really fucking right 24 years wow that's crazy yeah 94 like April or something 94 was when I started that's insane yeah, 24 years. Anyway, I've had a lot of different bands, um, released records under various bands, and uh, toured a little bit as well. And then the last record I put out was, Jesus, 10 years ago, uh, in 2008. And then I toured for that in 2010. And since then, I haven't done anything. Um Nothing at all. I, I'm trying to think of if I did any like session work even. I don't think so. Nothing. Um, a lot of that had to do with like a really shitty marriage and blah, 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 blah. Um, but anyway, I've been really into like writing and recording again. So I had a chunk of stuff that I started last year. Um, and I feel like I'm, from what I did in the last couple of weeks, that I feel like I'm, uh, I'm going to be able to actually put something out this year. I don't want to speak too soon, but I'm super excited about it. I really like it. Um, I don't know if other musicians or other artists in various fields go through this. Uh, I was talking about it with uh, a couple of friends the other day about how um, you know, you go in waves of like, as an artist, really liking what you're doing, like loving your shit, like, oh my God, this, I'm so fucking good. And then it could literally be the next day or, <laughs> you know, the next week or then something where you just, when you listen or watch or look or read what you did and you're just like, Jesus, I am the worst piece of garbage on the planet. Why would anybody want to see or hear or read anything I, I do it's awful well anyway that happens to me a lot and last week I was one of the, I was on the upswing of that uh, where I felt good about everything I was doing 
And so I got a bunch done. Um, when that happens, you kind of got to really uh, strike as hard and as many times as you can. And then, you know, when you start feeling like you're a piece of garbage again, you still got to keep working. Um, but it's just not as enjoyable. And you end up throwing a lot more away, maybe. But anyway, I'm really excited. I'm hoping that I can get something out, get this record out by November. This is what I'm kind of shooting for. Um, I like autumn, so yeah, November, December is is what I'm looking to do. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Um, I'm basically done recording, um, like a little things, a few things here and there, but for the most part, I'm done. The bulk of it is done. Um, you know, listening back and adjusting uh, a little bit in the arrangement or creating more light and shade or holes. Um, and I haven't really tracked vocals yet. Uh, one of the benefits of doing everything yourself is that, you know, there's no argument. You know, when you're in a band, somebody brings in something and you're like, okay, how about this? And they're like, I don't like that. And you're like, fuck you. And they're like, ah, that's a fighting noises. But, uh, when it's, when you're by yourself, you don't have that problem. But the issue with that is when you're writing and recording and, and making these songs or making this music you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of and then also when you come up with new ideas it's much slower because they can't happen simultaneously like a drum part and a guitar part and a bass part and new vocal melodies can't happen at the same time because it's all coming from me so I have to essentially like do one part and then play another instrument over it and then maybe go back and adjust the first instrument based on what I did with the second. And then like if I put in the drums and now the drums change the feel in a good way. So I'll go back and change the guitar and then I'll have to change the bass. But then like the drums, Oh, I got to change those. So it's this constant layering. Um, so it's, it, it's great, but it's a very slow process. And sometimes that uh, pace can be very frustrating for me because I can't get my ideas out f fast enough. Uh, and, and I feel like, they go away you know like we don't really know what creativity is right like what is it um is it another dimension is it just I, I don't know i mean who fucking knows it's an amazing thing to wonder like what creativity actually is um and why do we have it why can we tap into it what is it for why does it exist what what's the purpose of it um i i don't know and I don't know how the, my creative process necessarily works, but I do feel that sometimes ideas are just kind of like flying by and I, I want to be like a mad scientist pulling buttons and levers and, you know, there's electricity and gas and I'm turning all these dials and beep, 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 beep. But it, sometimes it doesn't happen fast enough for me um, because I have to, you know, at some point it comes down to physically playing the stuff. Even if I'm doing it digitally, I still have to do it with my hands. And that's can be a slow process. And while I'm doing that, those other ideas might kind of like trickle away or I'll get um, scatterbrained and be like, you know, one second I'm looking at it and then the next second I got to look over here for this idea. And it becomes difficult to keep up with myself um, or I feel as though I'm kind of like slogging through just like quicksand and mud and gook and it's just a nightmare to kind of plow through 
Anyway, as fun as that all sounds, I really do feel like I'm getting somewhere with this record. Um, it's not, I mean, it's a heavy record. Like it's an album I, I did, the last record I did uh, with my friend, one of my best friends, I, she uh, did all singing, she did all the vocals on it, and I did all the music, or the instruments, I should say. Um, that's called Gooby Goo and Peekers. It was a joke band name. We didn't think we were going to do anything with this record, and then we put it out and toured on it. But um, you can look it up on iTunes uh, or Spotify, I think. But, you know, buy it on iTunes. Give your boy some money. Um, Gooby Goo and Peekers, and the album is called My Stomach Can Hold Up to 150 Pounds of Food. Um, it's like kind of cute, melancholy. It, it's like what my version of an indie pop record like an experimental indie pop record would be uh, and i love it i love that record so much i think it's great um my recording ability at that time was much less so i'm not thrilled with the sound quality but i mean it sounds fine but it's just how i feel about it um but the music itself i love it's great and uh the new stuff i'm doing is not like that it's way heavier and darker, um, but there's still like elements of that. I, I'm really bad with genres, so I I, I wouldn't be able to. But like, if uh, I don't know, is indie sludge punk metal a thing? I don't know. Maybe it's a thing now. Maybe I made it a thing. Um, anyway, super pumped for it. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. It's weird when you release something really personal. It's so easy to put up stuff, whatever the art is, uh, that's topical. You have no real connection to it. People are going to like it or not like it, but you don't really, it's not you. But when something is very much you and you're very vulnerable and kind of like an exposed nerve, there is a part of you that, um, has some kind of, uh, uh, vocal fry about it. No, that has some kind of anxiety or um, nervousness about being that exposed. But at the same time, that's kind of how I live all the time. I don't. I don't really give a shit. Like, if people have something negative to say, they can go fuck themselves. Um, but anyway, I'm really excited. I can't. I don't think I'll put out like a single or anything like that. I'll just release the record. And I will let you fine folks know when I do. Uh, but in the meantime, please feel free to uh, check out Gooby Goo and Peekers. My stomach can hold up to 150 pounds of food. The cover is a polar bear. Um, so if you run across that, that's what that is. Give it a listen. Let me know. Um, yeah. Anyway. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine who's a vegan and uh, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. I, I used to be vegan uh, a long time ago. I was vegan for a couple of years. Um, I just did it for to try new health things and kind of reset my body after a long, long time ago when I was like super fucked up drug addict guy. And then so I was trying all these different ways of living. And one of those ways was being a vegan. Um, but it wasn't healthy for me. I became anemic and, uh, yeah, 
just, it wasn't, didn't sit right for me. Um, so veganism is fine. I, it's a noble thing if you're doing it because of the treatment of animals or the mistreatment of animals. It's great. I, I, I think it's awesome. It's a beautiful sentiment. Um, but it is super culty, unfortunately. It's, it's, you see the same thing in veganism that you see with religious fundamentalists. Um, exactly the same. So much so that, you know, the same thing happens if you question either of those types of people and that they become extremely defensive and uh, get angry or shut down. Um, and that is a sign of someone who's, whose convictions aren't as strong as they believe they are. And again, I think it's fine to be a vegan. Um, but I think I find with a lot of vegans, just like with a lot of religious people, they ignore science and logic and um, their reality as far as how this dogma or how this doctrine or how this practice relates to them in the real world. I find that they ignore that stuff completely in order to justify and, and live inside of that structure. You know, in order to survive in this choice, you have to ignore evidence that that might not be the best choice for you. Some people can be vegan uh, very well, and it they feel great on it, and and they they flourish. And a lot of that has to do with genetics. You know, if maybe they come from a long line of people who ate primarily vegetables, um, so they're genetically predispositioned to function well in that uh, lifestyle. But if that's not in your genetics, then you're going to have a hard time. The other way you're going to have a hard time is if you don't actually keep track of what the fuck you're eating. If you're not eating meat, you're getting a serious lack of protein and iron and B12 and all these things. So if you're not getting them from other places, uh, you're going to get sick or you're going to get weak or you're going to get deficient or you're going to get hurt. Um, and then it and then it brings you to what's called what I, what I call people doing vegan math, which is like, okay, I'm gonna use made up fake numbers here, so don't worry about the numbers. But let's just say like, oh, you know, chicken has uh, whatever, 14 grams of protein per uh, pound or per ounce. Let's just say, who cares? And then they're like, but broccoli has 24 grams of protein per ounce or whatever it is. Um, and that's the math, vegan math, because on paper that may be true or that might be true. But the bioavailability bio is very different. In, in, in other words, how your body absorbs those two things is different and, and how much of the protein it absorbs from each of them is different as well. So you can't just put that math on paper and be like, this is how my body is going to react to it. Cause that's not what happens. Um, I was asking this vegan friend of mine, uh, why doesn't she eat eggs? Because it's, uh, it's not an animal. It, I mean, it, it's just, it's free protein. The, the chicken lays the egg or the, the fuck is it a hen? It lays the egg regardless. There's no chance of it becoming an animal unless a male comes over and, fertilizes it uh which doesn't happen in these chicken coops or these it doesn't happen it they're all female so 
these eggs just sit there. And and if they don't get taken, they freak out and they like what is it called? Is it a rut or is that with dogs? Whatever. They need to constantly keep producing eggs. Um, so they're going to produce them all day, every day. So it's like free protein and free cholesterol. I don't understand why vegans don't eat it. So I asked, um, and even when I was a vegan, I didn't eat it just based on principle because, well, the guidelines say don't eat anything that comes from an animal. Um, but why? So I asked, and she's like, well, you know, because the factory farming. And I was like, okay, well, what about pasture-raised chickens? Or what if you got chickens? Oh, and real quick, like, People go like, oh, cage-free is good. Cage-free isn't necessarily good. Cage-free means they're not in like the little tiny cages that are like this big and stuffed on top of each other, but they might just be in a giant room all just crawling and shitting and pecking all over each other. So what you really want to look for, and this is the same with cows, chickens, any animal, is pasture-raised. Um, and usually it'll say like on the package or if you're going to a local farm, they'll be able to tell you what size of farmland that this animal is on. Um, so anyway, pasture raised. Um, or get a couple chickens and, and do that yourself or go to local farmers. Uh, there are local farmers nearby or local people with chickens and get the eggs from them. And uh, you could see like she hadn't really ever thought about that and you could see her kind of just hanging on to this, no, I'm not supposed to because it says this. And she said, well, because I don't like the factory and and... And until factory farming uh, gets better, I don't want to eat any of it or becomes the norm. And then I thought, well, if you're not supporting that financially, it'll never get there. Like the reason um, humane farming practices are expensive is because they're not common, because it, they have to go extra steps that a lot of people aren't doing. So they have to charge more. Um so if, if everyone were to support local farmers who were farming humanely, uh, eventually those prices would be able to come down. But she couldn't see that. Um, it was just kind of going back to, well, factory farming is bad. And it is. It is bad. Uh, I buy all free range and pasture raised stuff, uh, including meat. And I don't eat meat every day. Uh, I don't feed my son meat every day. Our, our diet is a ton of fruits and vegetables, uh, nuts, and then some protein from animals, some animal protein, be it fish, shellfish, um, chicken, beef, or turkey, uh, or, you know, sometimes goat. I just don't have access to goat a lot, but, or bison. Bison is great if you can get it. Way more protein than beef. Um, bison's tremendous. So anyway, um, you know, in the, in solidarity to not eat meat until it's all humane, you're not supporting the humane farmers, so it will never happen. And then the other thing is, like, if, you, if you're vegan and you think you're not killing shit, you're out of your mind. Like, you're out of your mind. Um, there aren't, in nature, in the wild, massive fields of fruit and vegetables and soy. Like, they... they destroy natural habitats of ground nesting birds and forest and rodents deer to create these massive farms for the fruits and vegetables that you're eating and so they kill them when they do that and then how do you think they keep them off of the property 
And there's all these studies now showing how plants actually communicate with each other. They sense danger. They can, and if you sense danger, that means that you can feel pain. Because if you can't feel pain, there's really no point in sensing danger. It doesn't matter. There's no visceral reaction to it. But there are many plants that do have a reaction to it and they communicate with each other. Plants that, you know, if they start experiencing predation, they'll kind of communicate with the rest of the plants or trees in the area and then they'll change their the taste of their leaves so that the insects or whatever stop feeding on them. And there's other theories that like uh, all mushrooms around the world are all connected and there's like this crazy hive brain that they can all kind of, I mean, it's all science. We're way too dumb and, uh, and young and to know yet or to understand yet. But there was a lot of studies showing that, yeah, plants feel, um, and like most vegans are all hippy dippy and, and doing that shit where they like talk to their plants and this and that. And so it's like, okay, if it can acknowledge you and you, it, then it feels you and you feel it, but you're, so you're still killing it. And then they'll be like, oh, well, they don't have uh, a central nervous system, so they can't feel it. It's like, well, they can't feel the way we feel, but that doesn't mean they can't feel our understanding is so rudimentary and we base every other creature's experience on our own experience, which is obviously wrong. Um, anyway, it's just a weird thing. I think it's nice to not kill animals in a horrible way and, and everybody should do that. People should not use a bunch of plastic. People should do a bunch of shit to help the fucking everything, help each other, help the earth, help, help the earth, help other animals. Like we should all be doing things, more things like that. So in veganism, you are doing a little bit of that. Um, but, you know, calm your tits because you're still killing a ton of shit. You should be eating eggs. And uh, if you really believe that it's okay to eat meat as long as it's humanely killed, then you need to support those local farmers in some way, whether you just donate to them or I don't, I don't know. But there has to be something because um, veganism as a diet is not good for everyone. Um so I have vegan friends who like end up with all these health problems and they're like, it's, I don't know what it is. I'm like, it's cause you're fucking vegan and you're not getting the nutrients you need. You need to get it from somewhere. If that means a multivitamin or a bunch of different vitamins or something. Um, and then also vegans go fucking crazy with sugar and carbs, breads and pastas, breads and pastas give you heart disease. Like, Hey guys, that that's a, that's a fucking truth. And sugar gives you cancer and heart disease. So it's like vegans are like, I don't want to eat meat. So I'm going to eat poison. And then they'll talk about like, you know, all these other things being poison. It's just a lack of logic and lack of understanding food as science. Like that's the thing. People just go like, oh, food. I can just figure out I'll eat whatever. And that's not true. It's science. You have to learn what works and what doesn't work, and you have to do a little bit of research and and trial and error and figure it out. It's like anything else. You you have to learn about it, but people don't do that with food for some reason, and I I don't understand why. It's ridiculous. Um. Anyway, yeah. If you're a vegan, I don't know. Figure your shit out, cause you're a little wonky. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, it's kind of like um, so many people, I, I hate to use the expression, especially now, but I don't know how else to say it, 
because I think now more than ever, this is the case um, because we live in this time where we have access to all information and uh, instantaneously. But what I see constantly is people being so concerned about their appearance, how they look, but not concerned at all about their health, how they feel, which is a very intense distinction. So people will spend all day taking selfies, making sure they look good or buying new clothes or crazy amounts of makeup or spending all this time um, standing a certain way or but then not care about the food that they're putting into their body, not care about that they're taking no time to meditate, not caring that um, they're not exercising. It's, it's odd. It's odd. And, and I think what that is actually a reflection of is that means that they care what other people think of them, but not what they think of themselves. Or it means that they care what other people think of them so much because they think so little of themselves. So outwardly, I have to present this thing to you to make you think that I'm doing well or I'm very good or I'm feeling great. But inside, I do not feel that way because I'm eating like shit or I'm drinking all the time or I'm smoking cigarettes or, um, you know, I don't work out, whatever. So it's like you see like really, you know, fat, out of shape people stuffing themselves into their nice clothes or women with just like fucking caked makeup. So that's a lot of work. I mean, I, I grew up, I was raised by three women. I got, I know the, and they didn't, aren't like the ton of makeup type of people. Um, but I know the effort women put in to just leave the house, all of this makeup, their hair and their outfit, just right. It's like an hour or hours of getting ready. That's a tremendous amount of effort. And most of those people will put none of that into just making sure they're eating clean, healthy food, be it vegan or if you have a meat-based diet or whatever, um, that it's clean and that you're cooking. And that. So it's like I, I'll put on all this makeup and this to cram my fat feet into these high heels because I want people to look at me and I want the reflection I see of me in their eyes to make me happy or make me feel content or connected. But the very simple things I can do for myself that require far less effort than that, I won't do. And I think we all have this kind of innate um, self-deprecating, self-destructive ignorance where we all know that by eating good, clean foods and exercising, you don't have to be like a f shredded, hard body person. Just exercising, basic daily exercising, um, you know, 20 minutes a day. Just that, I just lost my train of thought. But like, we have this thing where that little process of just, oh yeah, okay, eat well, um, work out a little bit, have quiet time, that will make me feel better, 
and look better, but instead I'm going to not do that so I look and feel worse, and then I'm going to look to all these external processes to give me that good feeling. What is this right here? Hair sticking up. Um, it's crazy. You know, I, I, I talk about that with my depression where I'll... Well, and, and there you go. There's a, a great example of it. When my depression is on top of me, I'll start eating really poorly. Um, like I'll, And then I'll skip my workouts. And I will uh, disappear into my phone or into the computer. Um, I'll stop doing dishes regularly. Like dishes will start piling up every other day. Or I won't fold laundry, so there'll be a bunch of clean clothes on my bed. So when you see these people who eat like shit all the time, uh, don't work out, they are feeling that same thing. That comes, for me, from my depression. But for them, it's like a daily thing all the time. Whether they're depressed or not. Does that make sense? Is that right? I'm just thinking out loud here. But there's something, to, I'm, not, I'm not articulating it well, and I'm, I'm having deja vu right now too. But there's something in there about this correlation of that d depression or the depressed feeling and then these actions. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, to this day, the number one prescribed uh, method of uh healthcare for depression, anxiety, stress is exercise and diet. Even with the massive amount of drugs this country and this world, but primarily this country, pumps into its citizens and uh, massive amounts of money that goes into therapy. And I'm a proponent of therapy. I think therapy is good. Um, but therapy with exercise and changing your diet, you know, medicine with exercise and changing your diet, um, you know, it's still the number one thing. You know, I don't know. I don't know where the fuck I was going. <sighs> I, th I feel like I, my brain's been scattered a lot. It's also weird, you know, when you're just talking to yourself, it's easy to kind of get lost and sound rambly. Right? Don't you guys find that? I grew up my whole life not talking to anybody, all like, ever. I would talk to my friends, but... Um, like I don't really express feelings and stuff like that. This is all a new um, process for me. So I'm practicing uh, expression by doing this podcast. So I watched a couple movies yesterday. What did I watch? Um, shoot. What was it? It was a, oh, The Boy with that girl from, that woman from Walking Dead what's that beautiful woman's name she was uh glenn's wife maggie maggie's in it man that's a good looking lady good actor too man she acted her ass off uh and that was a weird movie in the sense that all the elements were there like it was executed right it just wasn't particularly good like everybody did a fine job it looked fine uh yeah, it kind of fell apart at the end. Like they, they told elements of the story that, and then they were like, "Oh no, it's actually this thing." 
but it just it I don't know it just never really drew me in and then I, after that I watched another movie called Open House and that was uh I don't know if anybody who was in it I've seen a couple of people before but I don't know their names and again it was the same thing where all the pieces were in place it was executed well but it just didn't I kept spoiler alert if you haven't seen this movie Open House I mean um I'll spoil the boy too. Okay, so I'm going to spoil these two movies. So if you have a problem with that, uh, fast forward, let's say, five minutes. Okay. Okay, spoiler alert, three, two, one. Okay, so in the boy, uh, Maggie goes to this house. You kind of learn later through the story that she's escaping an abusive uh, relationship of a guy who, while she was pregnant... Like beat the shit out of her. She lost the baby. It's awful. And then she finds this randomly finds this couple in the UK who wants them to watch their kid, their young son. She goes. She meets them, and then she meets the boy. And you come to find out <gasps> it's a puppet or a doll. And they are talking to the doll, and it's real. So she, the old couple, leaves, and then they later kill themselves because they don't want to go back. Uh, she's in the house with the doll and she's like, ah, fuck this doll. And there's like this rule list, list of rules she has to follow. And, uh, she just, she doesn't do it. And then the doll starts getting pissed off and doing creepy things. And then she's like, oh my God, you're a real, you're a real boy. And, uh, so she buys into it. And then the love interest buys into it. And then the psycho from the States comes and he's like, fuck you, bitch. You're coming home with me. And then she's like, little doll, you need to kill this guy or make him leave or whatever. So then that process starts and then the crazy ex-boyfriend smashes the doll and then the shock or the surprise is that the boy is actually real. He didn't die. Oh yeah, he was supposedly died a while back. He didn't die. He's been living in the walls and he's like a grown-ass man with a weird beard and he wears this mask and then he's a psycho and they kill him and great, they win. Um, But then at the end, magically, somehow he didn't die and he's like putting the doll back together for some reason, even though like nobody's coming back to that fucking house and uh, his parents are dead. I don't know. It's just, it's like they try to tell you one story and then they try to have a twist, but that twist just invalidated the rest of the story you just watched. I would have rather it just been a supernatural thing. And then in open house, um, if you've, I don't know if it's been five minutes, if you come back in, I'm still spoiling these movies. Uh, so in open house, there's a family, a mother, father, and a son. And the son is trying out for like Olympic running track. He's white. He's not going to win, but he's trying out for it. And, uh, then the boy and the dad go to the liquor store to get milk and eggs. And then the dad gets hit by a, car maybe a drunk driver and dies the mother and son can't afford to live where they're at so the sister is like oh go stay at my amazingly gorgeous house up in the mountains so they do and everybody in the town is super creepy so they're kind of building this creepy town vibe which in general i like a creepy town vibe where they're all in on something and then you're the newcomer and they're gonna fuck with you so they're in this house and then that's the kind of thing that's happening stuff goes missing uh and then there's this creepy ass basement and you keep, I, what I, and then like neighbors keep showing up and there's like an open house all the time. And they kept like driving home that this is crazy. This is a weird open house and everybody's kind of spooky and weird in this town. And I, what I was hoping that this was like, this house was like the center of 
you know, the, uh, maybe like a satanic cult or something where they worship there and they're mad that this house is being sold. Uh, so they're going to sacrifice them. That's what I was hoping for, some crazy cult shit. But then it turns out like, I don't know, I guess the dad was a angry ghost and he followed them up there and then he just, he kills them and it's over. So like everybody dies, so there's no point. Um, so again, it was just, they build one thing and then take a left, but that left doesn't validate or accentuate the story you've just been told for the last hour and the last whatever 20 30 minutes it's just this other story that you don't really connect with and it just kind of falls apart but it was the both of them were done well um so you can watch it if they're not a bad watch you wouldn't feel like your time is wasted you could watch them but if you, if you want some really amazing awesome horror movies check out pie Walket, uh a dark song and the ritual those three movies i thought were great oh and the invitation is great too um yeah, all those four are great watches. Horror is, I think, my favorite genre. It's got to be. Horror is my favorite genre. Um, and then, like, sci-fi immediately after that. And then, you know, probably adventure, action-adventure or something like that. <clears throat> Sorry for the vocal fry. My throat is super dry. I, was, I did my workout outside, so there's, like, a bunch of dirt and stuff in my lungs. I got the black lung. I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it, guys. Um, yeah. Is Ant-Man out? I think Ant-Man is out. I don't know. If it is, go see it. It's awesome. I talked about it last time, but I don't know if it's out. So I don't know if I can talk about it. I don't feel like looking on the internet in front of me. But yeah. All right. That's probably enough. In my mind's eye, I was like, yeah, these are going to be like crazy long podcasts like my other podcasts, the Bombcast with my friend Brian. Um, but it's easy to talk with somebody for three hours. By yourself, as I'm approaching the hour mark, I'm like, oh, kind of, I feel like I'm going to tap out. So yeah, I'll end it there. I think that was good. Um, left you with some good music or movie recommendations. Music, check out my old record, Gooby Goo and Peekers. And then uh, get ready for some really good, dark, heavy, uh, sad music coming your way this year, November, December-ish. Different band name I'm using. Uh, I'll tell you all that when I get closer to putting it out. Anyway, that's it. Um, hit me up on Twitter, at Graham Baker, G-R-A-H-M-B-A-K-E-R. There's only one A in my name, Graham Baker. So at Graham Baker, uh, my Instagram is Instagram Baker. And uh, yeah, that's it. All right, guys. Good night. Be well. Do good. Peace.